0: Well, it's such a pleasure and a privilege to get to be with you this morning, to share from the Word, and then to join you at the Lord's table. I just want to start by reading from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 22. Please listen or follow along as I read Luke's account of the Last Supper. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This passage places us with Jesus on the night that he was betrayed before the crucifixion. And he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. Now, the mention of the Passover reminds us that as Jesus reclines at this table, this was already a meal that was full of meaning. It was a meal that recalled the suffering and slavery of Israel in Egypt and that anticipated deliverance through the mercy of God and the blood of the Lamb. And as part of the Passover ritual, one person at the table was tasked with asking the question, why is this night different than any other night? If you've seen the Passion movie, this is the question that Mary asks at the very beginning of the film. But this Passover night was truly different than any other Passover night. A night of remembrance and anticipation revolving around Jesus' suffering gift of himself, his body and his blood for the life of the world. You know, the Lord's Supper is, with baptism, one of two continuing historical practices or sacraments that are shared by all branches of the Christian church. Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, Baptist, Reformed, Charismatic, non-denominational, fill in the blank. There may be disagreement over exactly what is happening at the table, but all Christian churches observe the Lord's Supper in remembrance and in anticipation. For most of Christian history, believers have observed it regularly as the central piece of Christian worship. Now, perhaps like me, you've been in a tradition that observes the Lord's Supper less frequently. I grew up in a church that took it once a year. Perhaps you've been in the tradition that gives priority to the sermon, where the pulpit, not the table, is the center of worship. But in the Reformed tradition, at least as I read it, It's emphasized the importance of keeping the word and the table together. We hear the word, then we share the table. Preaching clarifies the meaning of the table, and the table makes the meaning of the gospel tangible in a way that goes beyond words. Jesus eagerly desires to share this meal with his disciples before his suffering, because this meal carries most fully the meaning of that suffering. If you've been listening to a sermon, and you find yourself thinking something like this, this is all great, but it's just, it's just words. Give me something real. Give me something that I can hold in my hands. We struggle to believe. We struggle to understand. We struggle to hold on. And so the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and broke it and took a cup and poured the wine and offered both disciples who were struggling to believe, struggling to understand, and struggling to hold on. Among the memorable experiences that I've had in communion services, one service in particular stands out. I had a friend who, just two weeks prior to the service, had tragically and suddenly lost his wife and unborn daughter. And we'd all been to the funeral, and the service was heavy with grief. And as soon as the elements were offered, He came running down the aisle. As soon as the elements were offered, He came running down the aisle to be first in line to receive them. Can I ever look at communion the same way? I think the truth is that most of us when we come to worship, we do not come like my friend, fresh, from the experience of unimaginable loss. Maybe you've been in a service like that, but most of us, when we come, we come carrying all of these quieter griefs burdened with fears and anxieties and doubts and sins, and we have these questions that sit in the pit of our stomachs, which sometimes, only sometimes, can we put into words. And if we did, maybe they would sound something like this. Does God really love this world? Does God really love me? In a world at war, can all of this wrong really be put right? Can tomorrow be better than today? And you know, it's only sometimes that a sermon meets the depths of those desperate questions. And I say that as a preacher, because there have been so many times that I have preached a sermon and felt the utter inadequacy of my preaching in light of the pain that I know the people in the room are carrying. Now, I love preaching, but I have found such deep solace in being part of services where the Lord's table gets the last word, where the second sermon comes through the sacrament of communion because Jesus eagerly desires to eat this meal with us too. I love what John Calvin says about this. He says, The problem is not that the word is weak on its own. The problem is that we are weak. And we long for something solid to nourish our faith. And so at the table we take tangible things, things we can see and smell and taste and touch, and we are given these elements so that we would know that God's promise and our hope is every bit as real and tangible and concrete as the elements you take in your hand holy week. And there's so many more words that we could add to describe the meaning of the cross, but when Jesus gave the disciples something to do to remember him and to anticipate his coming kingdom, he gave them a meal. And the meal allows us to share in the story with our bodies. It's like, don't just think about the words of promise. Put the bread on your tongue, because just as surely as you can touch this bread and taste this cup, the promise is for you. Be filled. Be fed. You are welcome. There's this place in the Chronicles of Narnia, which I'm assuming because you're at a Christian college you've read, if you haven't, don't feel bad. There is a talking horse, so you have to kind of get over that. There's talking animals, and there's a talking horse named Bree, and he has been lecturing his friends about the great lion Aslan, who is the Christ figure of the Chronicles. And he's been telling them, you know, Aslan is only a metaphorical lion, because if he was a real lion, I mean, he would have, like, Paws and a tail and whiskers, and that's just ridiculous. Surely, he says, all of this lion business is just a metaphor. If you've read the story, then you know that it's that precise moment in the middle of his lecture that Aslan shows up behind him, huge and real, shocking him and shattering all of his worldly wisdom. And as Brie cowers in the corner, Aslan invites him to draw near. And this is what he says. You poor, proud, frightened horse, draw near. Nearer still, my son, do not dare not to dare. Touch me, smell me. Here are my paws, here is my tail. These are my whiskers, I am a true beast. And Lewis, of course, is imaginatively making this point about Jesus, that the gospel story of the Word made flesh to redeem lost humanity is more than a metaphor. It's the same point that John makes in his first letter when he marvels that that which was from the beginning we have seen with our eyes and heard with our ears and our hands have touched him. Because God came in person. For in matters of love, you must always go in person. God offers himself. Jesus gives everything. His body and his blood. And as we cower in the corner, he invites us to come out of hiding. You poor, proud, frightened human draw near, nearer still, do not dare not to dare, touch, smell, taste, take, eat, remember this story. What story? The story of how God made the world and made it good and how he entrusted it to us. The story of how we turned away, loving the darkness, spreading violence and darkness instead of light and life, and yet the story of how God did not abandon us. He kept on showing up, how he chose Abraham's family, making promises to bless them and to bless all the nations through them. And through their long history, through water and wilderness, through exodus and exile, God stayed faithful, making and keeping promises. And when the time was full, all of the promises of God found their fulfillment in a person, in Jesus Christ. For what the law was powerless to do, God did in sending his Son. And this is the good news, that by sending his Son, God did what we could not do. And it is good news, not good advice. The good news is Jesus who through his life and death shows himself as the Christ, the anointed one, the prophet, the priest, and the king. As prophet, he utterly reveals God's judgment on sin and God's heart for sinners. As priest, he takes our place and presents us to God. And as king, He dethrones and defeats all principalities and powers that could stand against us. Because when the powers of evil were exhausted and when they had done all that they could do, he rises. Risen from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and he sent the Holy Spirit, including us Gentiles, we who were outsiders to the hopes of Israel, And Jesus now reigns as Lord over every square inch of creation, inviting us to bear witness in every inch to his coming kingdom marked by righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The good news is that all of creation is being healed. And that one day, we will see him face to face. And until that day, We take the bread, and we take the cup. In remembrance, looking back, and in anticipation, looking forward. This is our story. The deepest and truest story. It's a story shared by a line of fellow witnesses that would stretch for miles and miles if we could see it. For when we come to this table, we are joined by a great multitude of brothers and sisters, connected to parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who have died in the Lord, and also to believers from every tribe and nation and people, the saints throughout history, the church across time and space, all of those who have also been held up by this story that we get to proclaim whenever we take communion together. And I never get tired of talking about it. (laughs) Well, we need to take communion now. So before we take communion, let me just say three things. First, Dort University Chapel is not a church. And so, uh, in the times when we've had communion in chapel in the past, uh, we've always asked for a local church to come in so that we could do this under the blessing and authority of a local church. And so we're thankful to Pastor Joel and the representatives from Covenant CRC for coming alongside us and standing with us to offer the elements this morning. Second, logistics. After prayer, um, we will serve the musicians first. So the musicians will come to the front here and we'll serve them and then they'll go up. Then after that time, the other servers will take their places and there'll be three stations down here, one in the middle and one on each side, and one station up on this side of the balcony and you are welcome uh, to come as you are ready. All of the elements are gluten-free. Um, at every station, you will hear uh, the words, and you will be invited to take. So you come and you take the bread and you put it in your mouth up here, take the juice then peel back the lid and, and drink it as you sort of walk back to your seat, uh, moving back towards um, the middle. But in general, we'll come down. If you're down here on the main floor, come down the middle and then go along the outside. If there are any empty stations, just go to the next empty station. Um, Just ask that you be sensitive to those around you as you come. Third, most importantly, to take the Lord's table is not a triumphant declaration of your strength or your fitness. It's not a way of saying what a good Christian you are. It's just the opposite. It's a confession of our weakness and our need and yet because of Jesus we are welcome to be nourished as his beloved ones who belong to him body and soul and life and death we cannot secure ourselves we can only be secured by one who is faithful to us and so to meet us in our hunger, in our thirst, in our weakness, in our sin, in our vulnerability, in our questions and our fears, the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. These are the gifts of God, For the people of God dying he destroys our death rising he restores our life and we await his return in glory your faith may feel frail this morning i encourage you to take this bread hold it in your hand and know that jesus gave his body for the life of the world you may feel lost unable to fully grasp the depths of his costly love but take this cup and drink it down knowing that he was glad to give his life for you. You are invited. You are welcomed. You belong. Will you pray with me? We thank you, our Lord, for the hope that this meal gives. And we long for the day when Jesus will return as King when the dead will be raised and all people will stand before his judgment. We face that day amazed by grace, for you are our judge and our savior. So Lord, may we taste the bread and the cup on our tongues. May you remind us that your promise is every bit as real as the elements we take. And may our daily lives of service overflow with thankfulness and hope by the power of your Spirit as we offer our lives back to you with joy. And now we call upon you, Holy Spirit, fall upon us that we may truly know Jesus for whom to know is eternal life. And we ask also that you, Holy Spirit, would fall upon these elements before us that they may be for us The body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose strong name we pray with joy.